From Studio 2180 at Callaway Global Headquarters, Carlsbad, California, it's the Solid 35 Show with Harry Arnett and Nick Rafael. Today, Harry and Nick welcome longtime Callaway professional and the pioneer of golf instruction, Mr. David Ledbetter, and the new Twitter Verified executive producer of Callaway Media Productions, Mr. Jeff Newbar. And now, from the Solid 35 Studios, here's Harry and Nick. Hey, hey, hey! Look at us! We're back, Nick! Season two. Back for season two. Harry Arnett here. That's Nick Rafael over there. And I know what you were thinking. Where has the Solid 35 show been? Well, we were in some pretty heady negotiations with the network execs here at Callaway Media Productions, and we're happy to say they have signed us, Nick, for another season, which that would have been strange had they not, because we just get to do this. We don't really need to go through all that. Nope. But here we are. How you been? I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Been busy, just like you, head down, trying to track positive results for the company. Well, I ran into you at Riviera this week. That was you fun. Were, you were running around. You were, you literally were running when I saw you. You were. Uh, you guys have been busy. Our tour staff is growing. It has grown. How does it feel like substantially? Now, we were. I think we were around twenty something last year. We're mm-hmm. mid thirties or so this 21 year. Twenty one to thirty two. Twenty one to thirty two. Is it like what they say with children when you have the third ch- child when you grow by, you know, another fifty percent? Um, does it does it feel like it's fifty percent more work? It does. It does feel a little bit more work, but uh, I think the reason why it hasn't been too difficult is with the seven graduates from the web.com, they're already in your products, you know, coming on. So the new signees this year were like four or five, so. And they have made pretty easy transitions so far. So uh, it's been busier by numbers, but it hasn't been as hard as in the past. And part of that, Harry, is really simple. When products are good, our jobs are all easier. Now, that's good marketing there because you're letting the audience know that our products are really good. Uh, but we also have really we have really laid-back guys from the web tour, too. We've got to shoot them in the fall. But when you're talking about John Randolph and Adam Hadwin and Tony Fathauer – Sam Saunders, and I could keep going on. I'm going to run into Derek Fathauer, who's not very laid back. He's very laid back. But all of our guys are just, you know, you're talking about guys that aren't all that high maintenance, so that has to help. They are. They are. Well, you know, we just mentioned it this morning. You know, we seek good people that match our marketing objectives. And when you get good people, it's just easy to converse with them and common sense rules. And, again, it is a plug, maybe shamelessly about the products, but uh, I know for a fact Whenever you have the conversions from one product line to the next product line, as easy as we do, and in the numbers we've had, that's due to the product credibility, and it's good. So, I'm not above the shameless plug. You know this, Nick, so you don't need to feel embarrassed about that. And um, speaking of shameless plugs, we got a great show today for those of you who are, have graced us with your presence. And you know the rule. If you listen to the program and you do not like it, we will give you your your money back on your subscription for Callaway Media Productions. Subscription to Callaway Media Productions, as ever, is zero. So you'll just get zero back. Great show today. Our good buddy David Ledbetter is on the show today. We had him down at the PGA show. We saw him. We had him on uh, Callaway Talks Live down yep. there. So it would be good to catch him with again. And then a guy that we really have been wanting to do something with, we were a little afraid to have him on, is our brand new, our newest addition to the squad here. He got, has a jersey now um, to Callaway, our executive producer of Callaway Media Productions, Mr. Jeff Newbar. Do you think Jeff's a little weird? 
Well, you got to be. Yeah, I think so too. He fits right in, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you got hashtag Chad, you got J Rod, and you got this little darling Rihanna, and then a little funkiness with Jeff doesn't hurt anybody. I know when when your poles of crazy to in, to most sane are J Rod and hashtag, you know that your poles aren't very wide. So fitting right in between there, like we all do, is good. But it'll be good to have uh, David on. It'll be good to have Jeff on. And thanks for staying with us. And we'll be right back with David Ledbetter. Hey, everyone. Make sure you check out the brand new Callaway community where you can talk your favorite products, connect with fellow golfers, equipment specialists, and, of course, the Zoo Crew. Head on over to callawaygolf.com community and start talking. Let's go. What are you waiting for? All right, welcome back to Solid 35. I'm Harry. That's Nick. Our next guest, really, he bears no introduction. We don't need to really give him an introduction, Nick. It feels silly to introduce a guy that's been around in golf for a long time and has been an icon. Around the game and arguably probably the most recognized golf instructor in all of golf. Now, it's David Ledbetter. And, David, I hope that none of that made you feel like I was trying a nice way to call you old because I wasn't. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, you're very subtle. Yeah. Very subtle Harry, yeah. <laughs> so he hasn't been around that long. I mean, long enough. Long that, enough. That uh, that people will know him, and then you know the thing I always think about you, David, is you've kind of gone through a bunch of different periods within the game, starting when really you were the first guy that did this, that did sort of na- I don't know what you call that, but named instructed, named instruction, you know, twenty five plus years ago. Yeah, I guess I, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, there were people before me. I mean, if you think back, you know. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholas had his coach, Jack yeah. Grouse, and even even Bobby Jones had a coach, Stuart Maiden, way back when. But uh, and uh, when I first sort of got into coaching top players, I mean Jimmy Ballard was around, and he, and then Bob Toskey a little bit. But I, I don't know. It sort of became a became an industry, became fashionable for players then to have their own coaches. I mean, way back when. Uh, Guys, uh, they were virtually when I remember when out on when I went out to tournaments, there were no other coaches around, and uh, I was thought, heck, I, I must be good. But I think the only reason was I was the only guy with a video camera back in those days. You know, everybody was scrambling around looking at the the video, whereas uh, people just didn't really look at video. I mean, you look at today how technology is playing such a big role in coaching and teaching. It's amazing how how far things have come. Hey, I want to bring that up because um, I mentioned to Nick. Right at the opening of the show, that I was out at, at Riviera early this week. I did. I said that for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to bring up something Nick was doing. Number two, I always want people to know that I get to go to Riviera. But um, but I was standing there on the on the tee watching or on the practice ground watching guys, and I was I was just I started to get nostalgic about how many people have stood in this particular spot over the last almost hundred years at Riviera, and I started thinking about how that's changed from the tour players that have been at that property for that long. And you just mentioned one of them. I looked around. There wasn't a single player that wasn't standing there hitting balls with fewer than two or three people standing there with him. And the you know we've talked about this before too, David, how different the golf swing is now, even that it was if you watch you know elk winning there you know 30 years ago or 20 years ago in 1995. How different the golf swing is, and how does that factor into your sort of take on how you work with not just the best players, but even club golfers as they come in? 
Well, it, it is interesting. I mean, the, if you look at the if you look at players today, Harry, Nick, I mean, they, they're great athletes. I mean, not that you didn't have good athletes in the past, but everyone's a good athlete now. They're all working out. They're all getting their core strong. They've all got great equipment, which is perfectly matched to them. So they can really max out what they're doing. I mean, in the old days, I mean, you can remember this, Nick. I mean, if you had a, if you had a, a good driver, especially if a persimmon driver, I mean, you, d- you didn't go at it that hard, and you probably didn't hit too many practice balls in case the thing cracked. Yeah, you I protected mean, you, it. You weren't likely to get another one uh, to match what you've already got. So in this day and age, I mean, players are constantly tinkering. It's, I mean, it really is, uh, when you look at these players, I mean, it's very much an athletic sport. And some of that bleeds down into the average player, but I also think we have to be careful as coaches and teachers that we don't try to think in terms of, hey, Mr. Jones, you know, 20 handicapper who's, you know, we've got to get him swing like a tour player. It just doesn't happen. I mean, that's why I always, I actually like, I like men watching the, the girls play because I say I think they can relate to them a lot easier, even though you look at the girls these days. I mean, they're, it, it's like tennis. I mean, if you look, if you look at old, old games of tennis where Bjorn Borg was playing, Jimmy Connors, I mean, I mean, the women's tennis game now, they're hitting it harder than they were back then. So everything's evolved. And so I think in teaching, I mean, it's very much a case of, say, when we're teaching amateurs, when we're teaching professionals, we really have to sort of be, you know, think in terms of, obviously, the, the player that we're actually teaching. And so it has changed, no question. I mean, the technology has changed. But ultimately, we're still trying to get the club face squarely on the ball at maximum speed. And guys just do it a little differently than in the old days. And as I say, it's very much a power game now. So with that being said, David, kind of a two-part question here. In your opinion, uh, the older, what they term classical swings and today's more modernized swing, which is more body, it seems like more rotation to the left, all those things. Tell me, um, how much is the equipment change the swing, you think, and... In what ways? What 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 are the specific ways the swings change due to the equipment? Well, I, I think first of all, yes. I mean, equipment has certainly changed the way players go about it. I mean, I think when I look back at the game, there, Nick, I, I think golf swings are based around iron swings in the past. Mm-hmm. In other words, I mean, I think say Nick Faldo, who was a, uh, certainly a you know a tremendously talented player who had unbelievable control over his arms. He wasn't a great power hitter in any form or shape. And so his game was based around iron play. It's almost today that iron play and driver play is based around power. And so the fact is, with equipment now, which is so much more forgiving, the fact is you can... The golf ball has made a huge difference the way you can flight the ball now. And I think it's, it's, it's really... Uh, no question that these guys, they're, they're working out stronger with, uh, with, you know, they have trainers, they don't have trainers. And so uh, when, I, when, I, when I look at the equipment, what it's actually done, I mean, the equipment is so much more stable than it ever used to be. And so you can go at it 110% with a driver and not fear hitting it offline like you used to in the old days. So uh, the equipment is much more forgiving. Uh, and I think just the, the fact that the fact that you can actually match equipment to uh, an individual's specifics, in other words, their, their launch conditions, how they spin the ball, how they launch it, uh, it, it's, it really allows a player really to go at it in a way that they couldn't go at it in the past. I mean, if you look at players, they're always sort of swinging easy at it. I mean, wh- I mean, even if you look at Ernie, I mean, Ernie Els, I mean, people look at his swing, and it's, it's sort of a bit of a throwback to the classical times, yep. but... 
people don't realize as smooth as he swings that there's tr- still a tremendous amount of club head speed there. And so I think players are now able to generate much more club head speed and control that club head speed in such a way that they can actually stabilize the club head through impact. And so um, the hands are playing less of a role, the bigger muscles are playing uh, more of a role. And, and this has been an evolution over the last few years, no question about it. I mean, I've always felt that the swing for want of a better term, is an athletic swing, and I've always used that term. And we try to bleed some of that uh, into, into, the, into the amateur game. And uh, this is one of the reasons that I've sort of written this new book, The A-Swing, because I do think this should be an easier way for a lot of people to learn. Let's, let's think about it logically. Look, we, we, we know how to analyze swings to, to such an extent now. We, we, we can basically prove, as I like to say, we can prove your swing sucks now, whereas in the old days it was just my opinion. You know? Yep, yep. So, but um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're really we're able to sort of analyze swings to the nth degree. So it, to some form or, in some form or shape, because people do have a lot less time to play and practice than they ever did in the past, I think it's important that we get the message across that people, this, this game shouldn't be that difficult. And we, we, we know we need to grow the game. We need to get people enjoying the game more. And one of the ways you enjoy the game more is to hit the ball better. It's as simple as that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't see any people, I don't see any person who actually quits playing when they're playing well. It's only when people get frustrated and give up the game and want to give up the game. They're losing distance, et cetera, et cetera. So now with, with the equipment they're able to use and to match to their swings, even I mean, amateurs I'm talking about, and the fact that their technique was a little simpler because there's, there's no other sport or entity really that requires good technique like golf. I mean, you can get away with it in tennis, a movie object, but in golf... It requires sort of simplicity, and you've got to get the right sequence of motion. You've got to get synchronized in the way that you swing, and it, it's not an easy task for well, a lot of people. Well, with that being said, you know, we've had these discussions over the last several years, David, and it's been the concept of the new uh, golf swing and the A-swing. You've kind of you've let that keep building, all these factors that you just talked about. Introduce us a little bit to A-swing and the alternate approach to what you're talking about, and tell us a little bit about it and what, what it is. And I'm taking notes here, David, because you know I'm always searching. <laughs> and the show really, at the all end right. of the day, is well, all about me. So let me, I, I speak slowly here. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give, I'll give you a brief summary of what it's all about. Uh, really, I've, I've been thinking about this for a while, and it, it's the A swing, the A stands for alternative, and it's essentially it's an alternative backswing. Because I think, for the most part, when you, when you look at golf instruction, certainly to the masses, most golf instruction is based around trying to make a good backswing. And it's, it's, it's interesting how we're always working on sort of going the opposite direction to the target in golf, whereas in other sports, baseball, tennis, you name it, ice hockey, we're always thinking of the target. And so when you think in terms of how much emphasis is placed on the back, I would say probably 70 to 80% of instruction is based on how to get the club back. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, maybe the backswing is just too darn difficult for people to try to achieve on a regular basis. I'm paying attention because I have a mild case of the full swing yips having a little difficulty (laughs) taking it back. So full attention. Look, if you're talking about a tour player or a great athlete uh, who practices for hours and they have great skills from a very young age, yeah, you can make a lot of things work. And we know that. There's a lot of there's a lot of swings out there which do work. I mean, they're not all the same. And certainly things, uh, equipment like Trapman proves, hey, well, listen, you're on the right track. I mean, you can see the ball flight. It's working. So we don't have to change it. But essentially, 
the A swing is about trying to make a better backswing, a simpler backswing. And we've done a lot of tests for the last over the last two years. I've had it tested biomechanically, and it's a simpler way to get the club back, so in a more efficient way. Essentially, the, the butt of the club travels about 20% less in order to get to the top of the backswing. As I always say, look, if you're, if you're going to fly from L.A. to New York, you don't need to go through Miami. You just go straight there. If you're gonna, you can still end up by going through Miami, but it takes a hell of a long time, and it's uh, you know, not very efficient, which is what most people do in their backswing. They, sort of, they travel such a journey to get to the top, and then trying to synchronize that and start with the lower body. I don't think too many people disagree how the, how the downswing should start and what should happen, the way the lower body moves in the upper, then the arms and the hands and in sequence. But to get to that point, it's tough. So there's a, bo- there's a baseball component here. If you look at, if you look at baseball guys, you look, look where the guy starts at the bat with a pitch, with, off, when the pitcher is winding up. The bat is almost up in the sky. Mm-hmm. So this, this A-swing essentially is getting the club steeper going back, but yet although the, arm, the left arm really gets across the body, it's a steeper back thing with the shaft, so the club can lay down on the right plane coming down. And that's essentially for most people, if they can get the club on the right plane coming down, in sequence, they're going to learn to hit, say, a right to left for a right-handed golfer shot. Because people who slice, people who, you know, nine golfers out of ten who come outside in and steep on the ball, they never get into that shallow position. So it's got a little bit of Jim Furyk in it, not quite as maybe as accentuated as Jim. It's got a little bit of Calvin Pete, who's one of my all-time favorite swingers, who's somebody who, if you look back at his record, I mean, you know, he averaged somewhere between 78 and 86% of the fairways mm-hmm. for 10 years in a row. He led the driving yep. statistics, fairways hit. He led greens in regulation for six years. He was a very natural player. Had a, he had, a, he had a, a bent left arm through breaking it when he was a kid. But he, he developed a motion where there was very little rot- or zero rotation of the face going back. The club got into a position at the top as he started down. The club slotted onto, into that spot coming down because, after all, the most important plane in any, in any golf swing is the downswing plane. So if you can get on plane, very much like a batter does in baseball, because when he's got the bat up in the air, as he starts his movement forward with his lower body, the bat shallows out onto the plane that the pitch is coming on. So we've, we've, having done all this testing, we've done it, tested it biomechanically. We've had probably 20 test students, including our good friend Ryan Blom, who you know very well, Harry, yeah. being, a, being a, a Duke man. And yes. Ryan, he's the first to admit, he said, you know, because what, what was happening with Ryan, I mean, I, I've coached Ryan since he was 15, and every time he'd come back, it would be same old, same old, and we'd sort of fix him, and he'd go away, and he'd come back, and it was same old, same old. And literally the last 18 months or so, he's really started to, you know, I really think this kid's going to be a good player if we can get over all his injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he had a good chance of getting on tour last year, but uh, he got injured towards the end of the year, had, had labrum, torn, a torn labrum. But if you ask Ryan, he'll say, you know, the, the great thing about the A-swing, I don't have to practice as much in order to keep it on track. And it's, if I do get off track, it's so easy to get back on track. And so, I mean, we've got, I, I've got a tour player, a former tour player who I used to teach, and, you know, Callaway player, Greg Kraft, and I... I, I taught Greg many, many years ago, and then he came back to, listen, I'm getting ready for the Champions Tour. He's, he's got a certain number of exemptions, and he's, and, uh, but honestly, and I, he said, listen, I've got witnesses, and I asked his caddy, uh, who was Paul Azinger's old caddy, he said, literally, when he gets this right, and he synchronizes, because this is the whole key for the A-swing, it's all about synchronizing, synchronization between the arms and the body. He said, when I get it right, 
I hit it 50 yards longer. Now, 50 yards out of the mouth of a tour player is quite something. And so, I mean, you know, you hear about that. I know. Listen, people. You know, hey, listen, I'm a golf marketing guy, David, and I I hate outrageous (laughs) distance claims. So don't don't say that to me. I mean, I know if you change from. certain equipment to Callaway, you're going to get 50 yards naturally. <laughs> ding, but, ding, you know, but, yes, uh, pull that sound but, bite, would you there, uh, Tony? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. But we, it's, uh, it's really, it's been, it's been really exciting, and we've, we've seen this as older players, as juniors. It's so easy to teach. It's, it's so easy for the students to learn. And the thing I'm hopeful about is that I think maybe the, uh, teaching needs a little bit of a shake-up. It's been same old, same old for a long time. And although we know we've got better athletes and so on and so forth, and they utilize the technique better, but yet I think that if we can find a way to simplify it, I've got a, I've got a beginner who in six months, literally, if you look at his golf swing, you'd swear the guy's been playing for 20 years, and the guy wasn't even athletic. And so it, it's, it's, it's really exciting to see, and the book's coming out on – May the 12th, if anybody's interested in looking at all the testimonials, we've got some teasers out there. Uh, it's it's leadbetteraceswing.com, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, I'm looking at this. I'm really hopeful that this is going to be a, uh, a, big, a big, big change in how the game is looked upon as far as the way it's taught. Well, I think it will, David, because Lydia Coe, who obviously is a Callaway uh, uh, staffer and one of your students and now has descended to world's number one, I think what 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 you've described is is her quote was uh, the new things about swing fundamentals, but more importantly, how and how the body and muscles work. And I think that's yeah. what simplifies exactly. things is because when you understand that, you know how to get it back on track. Well, you can, Nick, you can you can really see these traits in her swing. And you know the interesting thing about it, so many of these traits you see of players, great players of the past, Johnny Miller, Jack Nicklaus, no question. Uh, you see it a little bit in Ryan Moore, and it's such an easy way to swing. Everybody talks about trying to get the club on one plane going back, but it's difficult to do. I mean, I've always believed in steeper and shallower. I mean, if you go back to Nick Faldo and Nick Price, you can see this sort of shallowing effect. Well, they, David, I, I think Johnny Miller came to me one time when I, when I was working with Nick, I think at Bay Hill, if I remember correctly, he said, I really love Nick's swing, the way he sort of re-looped it back on the downswing, as he termed it. And so... I mean, and you said, hey, please do me a favor. You said... Please do me a favor. Don't say reloop when Nick's around. Don't don't re-loop. use that. Uh, don't 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 say that. Replay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. On on that on that note, I mean, you got Miller Barber who did it well, and Payne Stewart drugged that that kind of pandle back a little bit. And, and yeah, he did. He did. And the thing is, Nick, it's it's actually the the difference is uh, what what we've sort of really emphasized in the book is the arm swing is short because if you can keep your arm swing short, they don't have so far to travel to get back down to impact again. So although the back swing is still fairly complete because it, re- it involves a slightly different grip in order to get the, the right li- wrist loaded, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But it's, the club is actually short. Uh, the arm swing is short, so it's much easier to repeat that movement coming down. And say, uh, and if you look at Lydia's swing, I mean, I mean, my goodness, this girl, I mean, she's just done amazingly well. I mean, with, with the slight changes that we've made, obviously, when we got her, she was... Uh, a top player at any event, and so we sort of worked these, integrated these little changes, just slowly and sh- but surely. She's able to draw the ball now, which and you know she's hitting it. No question, the equipment has helped, but she's hitting it probably ten or fifteen yards longer than she was. No, she has. We ago. we played. Chip and I played with her last year, and it's same thing. I think of when when with Ryan Blom, who you mentioned, who's been here a few times, and you're right, we got gotten to be pretty good buddies with him. Is what looks like a very simple. Swing, and this is—I'm you know, no golf instructor. You guys know this, but 
a lot of force is applied to the golf ball at impact. I mean, yeah. Ryan hits it. You hear the ball compressing. And he's not even playing crumb soft yet, I don't think, which, as you know, is a, there's another plug. But he, it's, there's so much compression. Lydia, the same thing, because she's not a big person. There's a lot of force being applied to the golf ball. Oddly yeah. enough, I think he is playing Chrome Soft. So. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. nice. Thank you. So. Ding, ding. Another plug for Chrome Soft. <laughs> another plug. Another Here's plug. A, here comes another plug because I'm not against it. We actually have a video series we're doing with you too, uh, David. You were talking about trying to create more speed and more power, and we're doing a series with you around XR that I think we're going to be filming that in a couple weeks. So be sure, those of you listening, that we'll be having that uh, having that yeah, out probably in a month or two. Yeah. Well, congrats, congratulations again on the A-Swing. I'm... You know I'm excited. You said well, the thing. I'm, I'm going to get you guys an advanced copy, so you'll be out there. Uh, you'll be you'll be you'll be trying it. I'm sure. So it's it's fun. I mean, listen, we all know golfers are nuts, and they want to try things, and they think it's going to help. And the the thing that I say about the book is it is it going to suit everybody? Is it go, is everybody going to use it? No, definitely not. But will the theme of the A book, which is synchronizing, learning to synchronize your arms and your body, will that help everybody? Definitely yes. So that's that's that's. Uh, and, and the motto of the book, guys, minimal practice, maximum benefit. Oh, I like that. I also like the part where he said that he turned a very unathletic old guy into a golfer. That appealed to <laughs> well, me. Well, you know, the thing, is, the thing is for you, we discussed this, Harry, part of the book is a seven-minute practice plan. Okay, yes. so seven minutes, that's all it takes. I can give you seven. Two or three times a week. Little, uh, a little short club you have in the office or at home. Yep. You, you work these little swing exercises, and bang, before you know it, you've got the A swing, you're playing great golf. Okay, you give me the book, I'll give you seven minutes, and then we'll see you out on tour. How's that? There you go. You got <laughs> it. You got Thanks, it. David. Appreciate you being here with us. Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate Thank you, David. It. That was All David Ledbetter. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. You can play a ball with a fast core that generates tremendous ball speed and increases distance. Or... You can play a ball with a soft core that feels amazing and performs beautifully around the greens. Why can't you play a ball that does both? Now you can. Introducing Chrome Soft with the new Soft Fast Core. It's the ball that changed the ball. All right, welcome back to Solid 35. I'm Harry Arnett. That's Nick. Always good to talk to David Ledbetter, Nick. It's always good. Pretty uh, pretty high barrier now for you to cross, my friend. Jeff Newbarth is here with us. And by here with us, I mean in the studio. He's been here with us at Callaway now. What are we, we're into our second month now. Second month. Are you still counting your time here in days, or are you beyond that now? You know, I don't know. I don't know when you make that change. Like, I remember with my kids when you stopped going to months to years. But I think I'm probably at that point where you just just start going with months. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I've been here 33 months. So I think it's a little bit. I think you're still there. But Jeff's here. Jeff, as uh, everybody probably knows by now, joined us a um, little bit different coming from the broadcast industry to run all of Callaway Media Productions for us, Nick. And uh, most recently you were with a little station called Golf Channel, which a lot of people know. And then what'd you, what were you doing before that? I should know that since I'm the one that actually hired you, but I can't remember. Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to work at ESPN for nine years, uh, doing a lot of their college basketball, a lot of SEC, um, pretty much every good team other than Duke, which that actually took me two and a half minutes for my do, under, what do, for the to first what do I deserve? I thought this, I saw you saw a, nice I, David I was I about saw Duke. an arrow go across the that? room. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, that Jeff's it's, the, it's the hardest. Guy. the hardest part of my day is the Syracuse-Duke thing. <laughs> Shouldn't be that hard. It's the it's, same. It's the same result every time. Well, you had a good station. You had a good conference. 
bigger SEC fan than I am ACC. Yeah, so. I, I traveled through all the SEC. Uh, SEC was fun. So you did that for nine years? Yeah, yeah, between uh, college basketball. Doing games? Yeah, doing mostly games. Um, a lot of work got uh, to work on Sunday Night Baseball and then was on our NBA team doing a bunch of uh, finals and stuff. And it was it was just a great experience. I mean, you know, there's nothing like when you walk into a, a stadium 10 minutes before you go on air and you see 50,000, 60,000 people all excited for the event you're about to cover. If you can't get kind of jacked up and excited for that, you know. you. Uh, I know one thing that's wrong. probably just as good. When you walk into the morning room at 825 and there are 12 people on your marketing team standing there for that that everyday meeting. Well, there's 11 people because Chris Villardo is always five minutes late. Can't but, get yes. jacked up for that. Yeah. <laughs> So and then at the and then over to the golf channel. Yeah, then I was or at the golf, golf channel. channel. I believe golf channel. Yes, just golf channel. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a wonderful experience. Um, I was brought down there to sort of help kind of relaunch and rebrand Morning Drive, and um, you know from Gary, Damon, Holly at the time, uh, Charlie, everybody, all the people I got to work with, Lauren, Matt. I know I'm going to leave someone out. And they're going to get mad at me, but it was it was just a great experience. Um, you know, the hours were were definitely unusual when you start your day at one thirty in the morning. It's a strange existence. Um, but anyone who complains about Orlando traffic, if you go through it at 1.30 or 2 in the morning, there's none. There's none. So there's there's definitely benefits. But it was a great experience working there. Uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. And it was uh, it was perfect. And, th- and they're doing a great job as they continue to evolve the show now. And we only ask you to be here about 3 a.m. So you're yeah. gaining a couple hours of sleep. Plus with the time change moving from the, the East Coast to the West Coast, that's like 6 a.m. Yeah, for me. Yeah, see? It's perfect. all normal. So normal that, was that weird for you to go from there to hear, I mean, the two entities are so different from what, you know, you're actually, your product there versus here may be fairly similar, but the, you know, the, the total vibe of working at a company like Callaway versus being at a, at a broadcast network has to be a lot different. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, your, your measurement of what you're doing is, is so different because in broadcast, you know, you have ratings every day. And honestly, there was certain people who had access to, thankfully I wasn't one of them, had access to minute-by-minute ratings. So you really could go in there and watch a two-hour show minute-by-minute and see which minutes worked, which minutes didn't work. You'd drive yourself crazy. Um, what's, what's great about being here so far is sort of the long-term vision of like a launch, for say. And, okay, how are we going to support the launch? Here are the assets we have. Here's how we can create them. And that we can sort of manufacture the message that we want to tell and tell the story that we want to tell. And, and the measurement is going to be did we communicate that message effectively to our consumers? And, and I think you can see that just with the buzz around this brand. And, and honestly, that's one of the things that, that, that excites me most about coming to work every day is that there's just such a great buzz about Callaway. And that's because of the work that you guys have established for the last couple of years. And it, it's great to be a part of that. So speaking of the product here, going from the ESPN to the Golf Channel and then the product here, you know, I'll shamelessly plug it for you guys in a sense. But I think being kind of a golf industry person my whole career what we're doing here is really cool with Callaway Media Productions because it seems like what golfers want is you know instruction content uh, technological content and then any type of tour insider content and when you think about it as a golf company we're sitting on those assets you know every day now what you guys are doing from 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 your standpoint and the product you're producing you're just taking it directly to the consumer and I, I to me the accessibility of that is so cool. Yeah, it works kind of both ways. You know, I think um, I think when we first got cranked up here, thinking about how are we going to engage with consumers every mm-hmm. day, and we what we really looked at from a Callaway standpoint was 
not trying to replace the things that Golf Channel does, for example. I'll just use exactly. that as an example. Or not even trying to do what they do, but to do things that the golfer would look as complementary to a content standpoint. Golf Channel is going to cover golf, and they're going to be inside the ropes, and they're going to be covering the action. What would the Callaway perspective be being. of being at the same exact place where we're, we're reporters too, but we're only reporting on the things that we care about, and selfishly, those things happen to be Callaway-related. Yeah, and I think that, you know, no matter what event you're covering, whether it's a college basketball game and they allow you to put a microphone in the huddle and you can hear what the coach is saying, um, to a baseball game when they allowed us for the first time uh, a couple years back to take cameras in the locker room and, you know, you see Albert Pujols, you know, how does he get loosened up and ready for a game? Mm-hmm. People want access and discovery. And but one of the the main factors that forces an athlete or makes an athlete want to give access and discovery is trust. And the Callaway athletes will inherently trust Callaway Media Productions to be able to take that access and know that it's going to not be taken advantage of and know that it's going to be done to something that benefits them and benefits us. And I think that that's that's why we're set up for success. Mm-hmm. What are you excited about this year? What what do you got? What do you got under that uh, that? Well, it's actually a starch dress shirt sleeve of yours. What do you got underneath there? Uh, you know, you're excited for every day. I mean, tomorrow, without giving too much away, we have a Hall of Famer and a DeLorean and perhaps a visit back to the future coming in or uh, something we're filming. So, I mean, if you can't get excited about that, you know, what are you doing? And then, you know, Callaway Talks Live, which I don't know, Nick, I think that the the host, we have to we have to really work on the host. But <laughs> other than that, I think it's, you know, we're, we're going to do some live, you know, broadcasts, which are going to be amazing and and. You know, having the facilities and having the, the resources to do that is going to be great. I think some of our live events, um, you know, one thing about XR that, that just excites me is, is when you talk about outrageous speed, it's, it's limitless ideas you can come up with production. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know Johnny next door wants us to go film a cheetah, and I, I don't know <laughs> if that'll pass standards. Better but. than a cougar in Palm Springs, am I <laughs> right, Nick? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, you know, where else can you get to do these things? But I think that, uh, you know, each day is going to bring new ideas. And, and what I love most about, you know, working in television is, is the idea creation process. And what's great about here is that there's always an open forum for idea creation. And we're always looking for the next idea. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And then we have the ability and the assets to execute it properly. And I'm excited for it. That comes from me, Nick. What are you saying there? That's oh, all me. He just, he's talking about me, man. He just put it out there? He just said, he said, I'm that's still what trying he's talking to... about. To rationalize the cheetah. I mean, we haven't had a cheetah mentioned on this show yet. It's been a while. Yeah, we uh, we got some stuff coming. He mentioned the DeLorean. He shot me an email. Here's what we got for the shoot. I thought he was joking. <laughs> and then this morning we were talking about the production schedule and literally have a DeLorean. So that'll be yeah. fun. But it, you know what I think is I don't know what your your former colleagues in the in the broadcast industry were saying, but ironically, you know the way I look at branded content, content marketing, whatever you want to call it. I, I just call it marketing. And the way that we're trying to engage with golfers mm-hmm. now is a lot different than it, it was two years ago. It was a lot to, it's a lot different than it was a year ago. And selfishly, and I'm saying this because I hope Chip listens to these, I think we're leading. I think we're doing things that people aren't doing. I think that people are 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 inspired by some of the stuff we're doing. I don't say that selfishly uh, or uh, self, um, you know, self-aggrandizingly. I just mean it matter-of-factly. I think the interesting thing from a content and you know, dare I say it, storytelling standpoint is the 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 barriers are a lot broader at a place like this than they would be in an entertainment, a pure kind of broadcast environment like a 
even like a golf channel that does a lot of innovative stuff. But the barriers here, just because you're not trying to fit it into, you know, precise broadcast segments, I think are a lot broader here. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, at ESPN we used to call it sort of feeding the monster. Is you know every time you know you have your your game slot from from seven to nine, but you probably have to do something for Sports Center prior to that. You probably have to do something for ESPN News prior to that. You probably have to do something either for Baseball Tonight or NBA Tonight or College Basketball Scoreboard Live or whatever it's called this week. After that, mm-hmm. you know you're you're just doing so much that at some point you can't slow down and actually think about what you're doing because as soon as that game's over, you're probably traveling to another game yep. or going home to get ready to travel to another game, trying to decompress for a little bit. Here, you know, we have the ability to, to look at our schedule. We know when stuff is going to happen re- regarding, you know, launches and product mm-hmm. and stuff. And we can plan for that and we can market for that and we can we can get creative for that. But not having to know uh, that we have to do a two-hour show every single day. And you can't just say, you know what, I don't have enough good stuff for tomorrow. We're just not going to do two hours tomorrow. Why don't we just do a two-hour show every single day, man? We should just, just broadcast Dude, the morning meeting. Why wouldn't we? But, you know, I think the other thing that you said – which really resonated with me from your background is, and this is really what's changing in the communications world, Nick, um, and probably your own attention span, you could probably relate to this, is that the, the, what, we, what is produced by brands today and marketing today is closer to, um, closer to a live broadcast than, than ever because the the shelf life of what you produce is a lot less than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. So you don't do commercials anymore that you run all year. Think about it. You see a commercial on TV now that you've seen for two weeks and it feels old because there's so much newness and content um, starvation from people that you just want more and more and more and more. And and so, you know, really that, um, that, uh, that marching order is probably going to be closer to what you're going to be experiencing running this thing as it would be a typical marketing production schedule because you're going to be trying to think of what comes next tomorrow that we can do tomorrow and then it'll only be watched or viewed for the next two or three days after that and then we do it all over again. Yeah, and I think that that the the commercial example of getting tired, I mean, we all saw during a Certain late season major championship, one commercial that ran over and over again that the song is still stuck in my head <laughs> that I'm trying to get it out of there. It's still running. I know. It's, it's unbelievable. still running. We can't could, get rid of it. Couldn't you shoot a second version? Just I a have, couple extra uh, shots. And this is you know purely meant for the agency and our friends over at Omega. I've offered to do a commercial free of charge for them. We can use their assets. Just I think golf would applaud us. But you're right. There's so few places in a typical broadcast community that – the numbers wouldn't show burnout, but we're, we want something new now from them. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll come out with one. Yeah, too. and I think, you know, the, we've seen, you know, certainly at ESPN, I mean, the news cycle changes so quickly that what you think is important in the first inning of a game, by the time you get to the third inning, it's completely different. And I think that that sort of sensibility bringing it to what we do here is, 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 is good for me to look back on because, you know, it's funny because I was trying to think of the other day, I had a, a very uh, a professor who was actually the dean of the, the – Broadcast school at Syracuse. Name dropper. Second mention of Syracuse. <laughs> and and he said, you know, first day of freshman year, he goes, hey, um, you guys all came here thinking you're all going to work for networks. You're all going to work for large cable channels. He goes, I bet that by the time some of you are 10 years into your career, you're going to work for the phone company. <gasps> and so when I did take the job, um, I sent him an email. I said, well, I said, you were a little off in the time of years, and I guarantee you didn't think I would work for a golf equipment manufacturer. 
and he sent me a nice note, and I think he's asked for three sets of clubs. So yeah, far. there you go. <laughs> Which that's probably how it get. works. But it, but it's it's you know it just shows that the the, the skill set you know translates, and and you know nothing to me um, trains you for having to think quick on your feet than like a live event because you can never predict what's going to happen during that live event, and you think you have a plan, and that plan goes out the window 10 seconds after the ball's tipped. So we're going to see that on Callaway Talks Live coming up here when, when uh, we kick off that show. I think sometime in March, I think, we were saying. Yeah, March March sounds perfect. March Ma- It'll be our own version of March, March Madness. Madness. All right, our well, thank- own version of March Madness. Thanks for taking a few minutes. You having fun? I'm having a great time, but I think I have to go produce more content. Go somebody, make some more Somebody stuff. this morning said that every day we need to produce new content. <laughs> Who was that guy? Can you imagine that guy, Nick? have no idea. I wouldn't want to it was work almost like guy. you learned from Coach K. I wouldn't want to work for that guy. All right, Jeff, appreciate having you here. Thanks for time, time out. And uh, as that guy said earlier, go make some more stuff. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's Rihanna Sullivan with In Case You Missed It. It's the weekly recap of everything that happened at Callaway and Odyssey. You should totally check it out on the CallawayMediaProductions.com page every Friday and tweet me at SDRECG. Let me know what you think. All right, welcome back to Solid 35. I'm Harry. That's Nick. Thanks again for listening today. Great show. We had Ledbetter on. We had Jeff Newbarth on. Interesting cat, this Jeff Newbarth, don't you think, Nick? Oh, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Hired a guy Still. from TV to come work. What, what's next? I just, you just, there'll be another remodel of another room in here in headquarters. Here we go. Does this room look familiar to you, by the way? I kind of like it, though. We're, this is our, our studio that we're in, used to be Nick's office, believe it or not. Yep. You would never know it. Long time ago. But uh, thanks to David, he's reinventing the golf swing. Jeff Newbarth is reinventing content for us. And we really appreciate you listening to us today. Be sure to go to CallawayGolf.com for more content. As Jeff said, we've got more than anybody. We hope you like it. You can follow us on Twitter at CallawayGolf. If you liked what you heard today, hit me a note at HarryArnettCG at Twitter. If you didn't like what you hear, you know where to send those complaints. That's at CG on Twitter. And we'll see you again next time on Solid 35. Adios.